This is an SBC Media Partners production. Swung on, hit high and deep. Right field. Good 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 it is Phillies fans, these are your glove stories with Murph. Let's check out Greg Murphy. Murph, you got a special guest, huh? Hi, everyone, and welcome to Glove Stories with Murph, presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, Shy Vintage Sports, and the great folks at Phillies Nation as well. And uh, we are really happy and excited to have today's guest on, a guy who spent parts of 17 seasons in the big leagues, 10 of them here in Philadelphia. Uh, he was a part of three postseason teams here in Philly, and of course, a world champion in 1980. We welcome in Greg Gross to the program. Uh, Gigi, good to see you, and uh, we saw you a couple weeks ago here at the ballpark, and uh, we're really excited to have a conversation with you today. Thanks for being with us. No problem. Let's talk a little bit about uh, young Greg Gross. Growing up in a, in a town called Goldsboro, PA, not exactly a bustling metropolis, right? But uh, <laughs> I, I would imagine a, a wonderful place to grow up just outside of Harrisburg. And uh, sports probably a big, big part of your childhood at that point? Oh, yeah. It just that's, that's what we had to do. I mean, we didn't have uh tv like there is now or you know internet or any of those kind of things uh so yeah you spent most of your whatever season it was that's what you played and uh in the neighborhood you know everybody got together and uh, there was a group of guys that you know we all all day long played baseball and then the only sport we didn't play too much of was uh basketball but and when I was young, the only thing that was organized was uh, baseball. A little league baseball kind of thing. So Correct. so did you find yourself at an early age? Uh, did you Were you pretty sure you were one of the better guys out there in terms of uh, athletic talent, depending, you know, no matter what sport you were playing? I mean, a lot of a lot of the guys we talked to, obviously, you know, they were a little bit more advanced even at an early age. Is that you as well? Uh, no, I don't think so. I was... Uh, you know, I was pretty small as a kid, um, but the one sport that, that I was good at uh, was baseball. I mean, I played the other sports, but that was uh, that was basically because there wasn't that many kids in the school. And so <laughs> you had to fill out the teams you played every sport. But uh, baseball was always the one that, um, you know, that I was a lot better at than the other ones. When did when did baseball become? Uh, when did you start to realize? Okay, this is something that perhaps I could pursue. You know, obviously through high school, uh, after high school, was there a time? Uh, I know your father played a, a small period of time as a professional ball player, so you had obviously the genetics and and the thought process maybe about pro ball. When did it start to really sink in for you? You know, Murph, I don't. I don't really know uh, when it exactly. I know from the time I was uh, small, you know, I, that, that's what I, I had a friend that uh, he was older than I was. Um, and that's his whole thing. He always, he was a big Atlanta Braves fan. And, uh, and that's um, all he ever talked about was he wanted, he wanted to play third base for the Atlanta Braves. And I guess hanging around him, that's where the thought, you know, came from. But I think once I got um, closer to uh, 
high school and and all of a sudden there was scouts around and and everything else like i think that's when it sunk in and i was a lousy student so that pushed that probably pushed the idea you know maybe i better try this <laughs> well at least you, at least you knew uh that yeah. uh, you had to concentrate on baseball at that point um well you end up getting drafted out of high school fourth round pick by the houston astros and uh what do you remember i know you know obviously the draft nowadays televised big news but but back then how did you find out that the Astros had had drafted you? And I know there's a Philadelphia connection uh, because Pat Gillick was one of the guys that uh, that targeted you at that point. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. He was he was one he was the one who called uh, called the house the night of the draft. But that's a you know it's a weird it was a weird situation uh, at home. You. Um, when you played American Legion up there, that was the big, that was the big sport. I mean, that was what drew scouts was the yes. American Legion program. And it was very big in York. And every year they would have, they'd invite scouts in uh, for like what probably you would call a showcase type deal uh, in today's world. Uh so I went to this, I was invited to go to this, and there was a, a scout by the name of Earl Rapp who worked for the Astros, and I had never met him before. And this was a Saturday, this was a Saturday before the draft. Um, so I worked out, uh, went home that afternoon, and that night he called me and asked if I would go with him down to Baltimore um, and work out for the people who were going up to New York for the draft. And I said, fine, you know, <laughs> so I went down, uh, changed in a city, <laughs> city bathroom in a park, uh, <laughs> worked out and Pat Gillick and, and three or four other people were there. Uh, and then they went up to New York for the draft and uh, Tuesday, the draft, uh, they called and they had drafted me. Never saw me play a game. Uh, Pat and them never saw me, never saw me play a game until after I'd already been drafted. And then the game that they saw me play in, I pitched. I didn't play the outfield. <laughs> so okay. it was sort of a, how it happened and to be drafted that high. And, and you know, it was just, I got lucky. I, I really got lucky, but uh, I guess uh, Mr. Rapp uh, had a lot of, you know, say, you know, in that uh, they respected his opinion and, and everything. And uh, yeah, like I said, I was, I, I caught a lucky break because I had never, heard of anything from Houston at all until that day. Most of the information from scouts was the Pirates, uh, Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Indians at that time, and the Montreal Expos. Okay. They were the ones that uh, seemed to be at all the games and everything, And but that was the first time I had ever seen anybody from Houston. 
You know what? I would imagine at some point, uh, virtually everyone that gets to the big leagues, a little bit of luck is always needed. And whether it comes early or late in the in the career, a little bit of luck, uh, and that's probably true in all walks of life. I just want to uh, double back real quick and paint the picture. You're trying out, I mean, Pat Gillick and some other scouts, and are, but you're in a park. You're not in a baseball stadium. You're not in a minor league stadium, right? You're just in a in a park no, somewhere? In, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I love that. I'm in a city park uh, in Baltimore, you know, with a number of other, you know, there's other fields and stuff. It's just a, crazy. a city park. And they had me run, throw, uh, and then one of them, you know, took off his sport coat and he threw BP. And <laughs> that's that was that was my tryout. That, that's amazing. Obviously, those kinds of things don't happen anymore. Uh, it's a little bit uh, more uh, organized and, and bigger picture. Uh, but uh, I love those stories because because that's how they found these gems, guys that that uh, were going to make it through their system quickly. And obviously, Pat Gillick, we know here in Philadelphia, what a talent evaluator. And he saw something in you without even playing a game that uh, that he liked. I actually was looking back and I saw part of the scouting report and, and they they said you had all the tools lacking power, um, which wasn't a surprise. I mean, as, as we watched you go through your career, but other than that, you pretty much, you, you had it all at that point, right? Yeah, I, I ran pretty well. Uh, I was, you know, I had a good arm, uh, was always, you know, a good outfielder. Um, yeah. just, um, I don't know. I, from a young age, I just, I was, I was taught well, you know, uh, fundamentals and things like that. And, uh, so the playing part, you know, was easy, you know, it didn't, um, and like you said, I wasn't, I wasn't a power guy. So I never, you know, from the time, you know, I didn't even hit home runs in little league. So Right. <laughs> it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't that big a deal. Not part of your game. That was okay because the rest of the game was there. So, so you you become a uh, farmhand in the Astro system. You know, from a small town in Pennsylvania, uh, a little bit of a culture shock as you went down and, and played your first professional season. How was that for you? So many guys. It's such a different experience for different guys who uh, are in the minor leagues. I know you didn't spend a whole lot of time in the minor leagues, just a couple of years. But what was what's your memories of of your time before you got to the bigs well i think the the first year i think i was fortunate because i i played in covington virginia okay. which uh was a not a very big you know town at all mm -hmm. so it sort of had that uh, you know that small town flavor to it just like the one where i grew up and so that was sort of relaxing, you know, just, and it wasn't that far, you know, right. you know, it's, you know, whatever, four hours away or five hours away uh, by car. So, um, you know, it, it, it felt very comfortable. And, um, and fortunately for me, I got off to a, a pretty quick start and that, that sort of eased everything sure. uh, when, you know, when you were doing well and, things like that but it, the realization sunk in there how good players were i mean you know you were watching even all the guys on you know my first team i mean they were all yeah. good athletes and then the guys that you played against 
opposing teams. I mean, it was just, it was amazing. But uh, fortunately, like I said, fortunately for me, I got off to that good start that that first year and had a good first year. And that sort of, you know, eased me into it pretty good. And then the other two, I spent two years in double A in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, And that was sort of, um, that was, that was a little different that uh, because that was a time where the Vietnam war was still going on and um, Columbus, Georgia is home to Fort Benning, which is, you know, a big military town. So being, you know, 18 at that time, 18 and 19 uh, and not be in the service, you know, so uh, we sort of hibernated those two years, didn't go out, you know, didn't do much, uh, sort of stayed because it, it became at times could become confrontational yeah. running yeah. into military people. And, and I was somebody that, you know, had a higher number and I wasn't going to get drafted. And, um, so they didn't look on that <laughs> real kindly at yeah. times. So, so that was tough. That was, that was a little tough, but there again, you still had the baseball part of it. And, uh, and again, had good years there, and then went to uh, Denver for Triple A, and right. that was the first time being in a, a large city for any length of time. But it was a great place to spend the summer, and obviously, uh, just like it is now, it was then. It was a great place to hit because <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we played in Mile High Stadium with big gaps so there was a lot of doubles and things like that so um i was i was pretty fortunate i that was a that was a good place to uh you know play for triple a yeah i I would imagine and i I don't know if you felt as though you were fast-tracked through the minors but it certainly you know looking back and watching your path through it it certainly looks like they had a plan for you to to move on through and then you make your debut in 73 as a, as a September call up um, was, is that the moment uh, that, you know, some guys say it's their first hit. Some guys say their first home run. Uh, a lot of guys say their major league debut. What is that? Is that the moment that you said, you know, the pinch me moment kind of thing, the day you made your major league debut? Oh yeah. I mean, my first at bat was in the uh, uh, bottom of the 10th inning in Houston uh, bases loaded, two outs, tie game against Cincinnati Reds. So, wow! <laughs> and, and I don't, I mean, I couldn't even, I couldn't even feel my legs or anything else. I, just, I mean, it was, it was just like water and it happened so fast. I grounded out um, and went back and, and I sat, you know, obviously sitting in the dugout then and, and I'm, I'm, I'm drenched my whole <laughs> And I mean, just one at bat, and you'd have thought I played, you'd have thought I played a whole game, but it it was something. But after the first one, then it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. I mean, it was, uh, I guess the next thing would have been the first start, which came in San Diego. Uh, We went on a road trip to 
San Francisco, then San Diego, and I got to start a game uh, in San Diego. So that was uh, that was nice. And then I got got my first hit, uh, first time up that night, and uh, so sort of settled in after that. Didn't play yeah. a whole lot that September, but at least got um, got my feet wet. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm sure that made a big difference, you know, the next season because you come back in 74 and here you are the starting right fielder and leadoff hitter for the Houston Astros. I, I, I want to say we're 21 years old at that point, probably. And uh, I mean, that again, when you stop to think about that and, and then the season that you go on to have um, pretty, pretty impressive. Did you at the time, could you understand uh, the that? kind of impact that you were going to have as a 21 year old? No, no, I, I was just, I was just thrilled that I had, had got to the big leagues um, and I was going to start. Um, now the whole thing after that was to stay. Yeah. Cause there's, you know, the whole time you're coming up, there's still a goal that you want to get to. Well, once you get there, the only place that, you can go is down <laughs> and, that's, that's, and that's what I didn't and that's what I didn't want to do you know yeah. once I got there I wanted to stay and fortunately for me it, it worked out it, it worked out you're yeah even better than uh, than you're letting on you 156 games you played that year uh, you batted 314 185 hits and you were second in the rookie of the year voting uh for for that season uh, that's you know I, i'm sure you think you look back now um and uh it's really you know a remarkable achievement that uh as a young man like that you were able to kind of burst onto the scene with a pretty good Astros team I mean there you had some some really talented teammates on that team I think you guys finished middle of the road but um that season for you really established you as a big league player you talk about you know having to to play well to stay there but that certainly gave you some cachet going forward I would think well, yeah, and and I got to give a lot of the credit to the guys that I was teammates with. I mean, there was a lot of veterans on that club, yeah. uh, established uh, ones, and they never they never treated me like a, a, a rookie. You know, I mean, they all they all talked to me. They all you know they all were helpful. Uh, yeah. They didn't, you know, it wasn't like, you know, you got shunned and you were on your own or anything like that. And so they made it, they made it easy for me. And yeah. that was, I mean, the only thing, the only thing that he ever did to me as a, a rookie was we were in Montreal and they pulled a prank where I got traded to San Diego Okay. And I had, you know, they had everything. They had the traveling secretary. They had uh, the, you know, stationary, the contracts, you know, all that kind of stuff. They had, they had everything. And I was, I had my bags packed uh, and wow. was going down, downstairs in the lobby to head to the airport in Montreal to fly to San Diego. And <laughs> I was waiting. I was just sitting there waiting for, call really from san diego and everything and then that's when they said that it was uh that was a joke so <laughs> but, uh that's I the only that. that's the only rookie thing that they they did to me 
for the whole year. Do you remember who the mastermind uh, was uh, behind Doug, all that? Doug Rader and Doug Roger Metzger okay. and Tommy Helms, you know, Lee May. Oh, they, they were all they were all in on it. Very funny. Well, you, well, you spent a couple of years there in Houston, uh, you, everyday player playing all the time. Then you go over to Chicago for a couple of seasons. And then I want to jump forward because then you come to Philadelphia. At that point, well-established major league player, well-established uh, starting major league player. And you you come to Philadelphia in 79 as a free agent. And I'm, I'm interested to hear your thought process with that because you knew you were joining a team with a ton of talent. But also, probably, we're going to have a little bit less playing time at that point as well. Was that a difficult decision for you uh, coming in here to Philadelphia? Well, first of all, I got traded here. I didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I wasn't free. I came came with uh, Manny Trio in that deal. Okay. and well, again, then was was it was it difficult knowing that you know perhaps you weren't going to have as much playing time when you arrived in Philly? Yeah, I was con- I was worried about it a little bit because well, I I didn't play every day in Chicago either. Uh, that's when it sort of started to relegate to being a, a part time player, a fill in, uh, and. When you're a fill-in on a second division club, that's not a good place to be. Yeah. So getting traded to a team that had been in the playoffs, you know, for three straight years and uh, had the kind of talent that they had, it my position was looked upon a little differently in that situation. Mm-hmm. I was looked upon a guy who could come in play game or two give some guy a blow wasn't going to hurt the team defensively or anything like that and uh and most of the guys in that club uh respected that kind of thing because they knew that in order to win that everybody was going to have some role somewhere during the season that it was going to help them get to where they wanted to go and uh, so they were always they were always pumping up, you know, Pete or Bo, Bull, you know, all Smitty, you know, had a tough job sitting there and, and come in. And and you sort of I sort of took it as a challenge. OK, I can do this. I can sit here and I can still go up and hit against the closer or hit against the guy that's having a good game that, that day and, and be successful. And I, I think it actually making that adjustment probably actually lengthened my career, you know, uh, cause I, I found that niche of pinch hitting and playing part time and, and I was on a good club. Uh, so they valued that. And uh, I think, in hindsight, I think it probably added years to the career and yeah. uh, and everything. So it, it turned out to be a good thing. Yeah, it turned out to be a good thing for uh, for this team as well because you know we just celebrated the, the 1980 team here at the ballpark as we talked about at the very beginning. Um, and and you know, in talking to so many of your teammates, 
that really was what that the overriding feeling in 1980 seemed to be is that uh, no matter who was called on, whether it be a guy who you know started 160 games or a guy that uh, started 85, whenever it was someone's opportunity, pitcher, hitter, whatever, <laughs> they were able to kind of step up and 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 make it happen. <laughs> Certainly, you were one of those guys. I think about Dell and and then some of the young pitchers that came up at the at the end of the season. So. Um, that's what championship teams are all about, right? I mean, you know, certainly you don't win with 10 guys in Major League Baseball. You win with 25 guys back then and and, and a full roster, right? No, sure. I mean, you can – any, you know, you go down and you could probably pick anybody, you know, Keith Moreland, um, yeah. Lonnie Smith, uh, you know, things like that. I mean, and just certain things that happen – I think the one game we were in San Francisco and we were struggling like we seemed to do on that West Coast trip. Yeah. And I remember a game that was in September and we were up, I think we were up by a run. Bases were loaded, nobody, nobody out late in the game. And um, Warren Brewster, came in, got out of the inning, no runs. We ended up winning that game. And I always thought that 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 particular moment sort of turned things around, you know, that, that him getting out of that inning with nobody out just sort of stuck in the back of my mind, you know, as a, you know, an important thing as far as turning that particular trip around and then, Obviously, we went on and and did win. Yeah, and, and but it wasn't easy for you guys. I mean, you know, I think we we think back to eighty and we think you know it was all you know uh, sweet smelling and roses, but it really wasn't. There were some trying times during that eighty season, and and I've talked to again many of your teammates. Uh, I talked to uh, Bo about this, and there were in the back of everyone's mind, everyone knew. Look, this is it. If we don't win in eighty then this team is probably going to get broken up and we're going to try a different because they had had some opportunities. Um, You were a half game back with seven games to play. And then you go on uh, a six game winning streak and clinch the division uh, or clinch dependent um, the division with one game left to play in Montreal. What do you remember about that, uh, that final stretch? Because at that point you guys seem to kind of turn it on and say, okay, this is not getting away from us at this point. Well, I mean, the thing that sticks out is the the homestand before we went up to Montreal for the final series, and Dallas benched Gary Maddox, you know, the yeah. Yeah. arguably the best center fielder in in the league, and and Dell went in and played played center that series and and had a good series, and we won, and and that you know that could have that could have very easily backfired and, and been a thing that everybody would have been talking about. Um, then we go up to Montreal and we have the extended rain delays and, and everything else that, that game. And, um, and then Montreal pitches to Schmitty with uh, McCormick on deck, who I think only had one or two at bats you know, the whole month that he was up there. So, um, 
you know, those kind of things. Yeah, you know, just and you figured it was going to be this was this was going to be your year. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and obviously it turns out that it was. What do you, what do you remember uh, about that? Uh, well, first of all, about the clubhouse. Because, I mean, you know, obviously you joined in 79. Future Hall of Famers, you, you know, are in that clubhouse. Uh, uh, great teammates. And um, was, there, was there one or two guys that you gravita- gravitated to that, uh, that, you know, you think back and think, they were a big part of uh, not only your success, but your enjoyment in, in the early years in Philadelphia. Well, yeah. And the biggest one that sticks out is Dell. Yeah. I mean, Dell and I uh, became, you know, really good friends, you know, over the course of uh, the, the years that we were together um, there. And then he also, you know, he ended up being the hitting coach for one of the years that I was there. So, uh, that's, I was closest to him. Um, and, and then some of the other guys, George Vukovic, John Vukovic, you know, <laughs> sort of the bench guys usually hung out together, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. just sort of what you did and, uh, and everything. But, uh, it was, it was a very, uh, I would say very, uh, business-like uh very very into what they were doing in in order to win now that group had been together you know for a number of years so um and they were they were all of them were you know 150 games plus a year guys you know and and some say that that's what hurt them earlier in some of the playoffs that they, they just you know, ran out of gas, but um, I wasn't around for those. So I don't know, but I know they were, it was a very, very intense group when it came to going out on the field and playing. Yeah. Well, anyone that has been any time with Larry Bowa knows that uh, he was very <laughs> intense and, and very vocal in that clubhouse, but you know, not, he's not the only one uh, I've heard uh, let me get your sense of uh, that. Pete was one of the guys that was able to kind of bring a little bit of uh, a relaxing kind of feel to the clubhouse. I mean, obviously very intense one out on the field and, and playing the game, but he had been there and won before. So is it true that he brought kind of a, like a calming uh, influence into that clubhouse from time to time? Yeah. I mean, he was, he was always, you know, very positive. I mean, he always talked to, I mean, the bench guys or whatever, you know, he was always trying to pump you up. But I think what Pete brought was uh, after the years that um, the team had struggled in the playoffs and lost, and that's all it was written about. And we know that the press at times, you know, it can be hard and that sometimes you know, it's hard for a player to understand what their job is. And and every player is, is fine as long as things are going good. Yeah. So when things aren't going good or they're not going good, you know, I don't want to talk about it, you know. Well, Pete wasn't that wet, good or bad day. I mean, Pete, it was like a press conference every night. And I think what that did is that took that took some of that kind of, uh, outside 
things going on away from the other guys because Pete was used to it. Pete was Pete liked to be the center of attention and for good reason. I mean, he was putting up even being 40 or whatever, he was still putting up great numbers and uh, and he thrived on that and he thrived on the attention. He he he, you know, he sort of looked for it, you know, it's just like when uh, even the game were down in the playoffs, you know, you know, he, he gets Nolan Ryan hits him. We're still, we're still down three runs. And he tells him, you don't have enough. You know, and <laughs> Here's a guy that's, you know, hasn't lost with a lead of three runs in a 115 games or whatever yeah. crazy thing it was, but that that's the way, that's the way Pete was. And, uh, and I think, like I said, I think he took some of that, that having to deal with those kind of things away from guys, um, you know, like Mike or, and things like that. And uh, I think they were a little more in that playoff. Maybe they were a little more relaxed than they were in other ones because he could handle that. Yeah. And I've heard Mike talk about that very thing about how that pressure uh, to be the guy all the time in front, you know, the front man uh, was taken uh, away from him, which he was happy to pass the mantle off uh, and and just concentrate on baseball. And uh, yeah, I love that Pete Rose story with Nolan Ryan, because um, from what I understand, a lot of guys in the dugout are like, Whoa, whoa Pete, don't, don't get him angry. <laughs> we don't need, no, to, no, see, I, we don't need I, to see I was, Nolan angry. I, I was on second. <laughs> no, I agree. I'm going, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs> but it all worked out. Uh, one of the great postseason games uh, in, in Major League Baseball history. Uh, pretty cool to be a part of, for sure. Um, 81, you're back in the postseason. And then 83, uh, you're back in the postseason with the Phillies again. And I just want to get your sense because we don't talk as much about that 83 team that ends up losing the World Series, but uh, a whole different kind of clubhouse at that point. You're a veteran player uh, at this time, and you are surrounded by other great veteran players. What was that clubhouse like as opposed to perhaps the 80 team? Uh, how, how much different was it? Well, let's see. I think, well, you had a number of guys who were uh, at the tail end of their careers, not mm-hmm. great careers. And like you said, Hall of Famers. But uh, it was sort of, you know, like, I don't think we have enough, you know, you know, can we withstand uh, going forward um, just because of, you know, the competition? We just didn't seem to match up yeah. uh, as well as we had had in 80. But the way baseball is, we, you had, um, you had John Denny, who had a phenomenal year, uh, Al Hong, who, you know, and, and lefty was lefty and, and things like that. But then you had for one great, stretch of five weeks the last week of august and september uh and seemed like joe morgan and tony perez uh found a fountain youth yeah and had you know great tony had 
clutch hits. Joe had a phenomenal, uh, I forget how many home runs he hit that month and, uh, and everything. And then, then we got to the playoffs and I think, I think the whole city and the guys that had been there before were beating the Dodgers was such a huge deal that it was almost like the playoffs were the world series and not when we played Baltimore, it seemed like um, it was, it was, everybody was so glad that they, they finally beat the Dodgers after everything that had happened in the, uh, their 76 or seven, whatever. And, and everything Um, it was, I'm not going to say it was anticlimactic because being in the World Series is huge. It's just, and we, you know, we had one miscue that cost us a game in game three, and we just, we just didn't rebound, you know, after that. Um, that just sort of, uh, sort of got deflated a little bit, yeah. you know, because it looked like it was going to be a game that we, we're going to win and go up two to one and uh, didn't go our way, but uh, to get there and play in another one was, was huge, you know, and they've only been to, you know, what, five, four or five Uh, being in two of them, you know, is, uh, is a pretty big deal. Yeah, pretty special indeed, which is why you're remembered so fondly here in Philadelphia. You're, you're part in the 80 championship. You're, you're a part in the 83 World Series team. Um, when, when you think back uh, to your career, as I started off by saying set parts of 17 seasons in the big leagues, um, the, that, that kid from Goldsboro, Pennsylvania, it, it, do you sometimes think to yourself wow you know it 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 really you talked about the longevity of the career and and how you were able to kind of figure out your role later in, in baseball um do, do you end up pinching yourself a little bit and saying what, what a great ride it was I, I gotta believe at some level you do right yeah and i mean especially when you get back like they had um the reunion and to honor that team the yeah. the first team to win a championship here. Yeah, it, it, it really does. It's very satisfying and it's amazing how fast it went, not only as a player, but then having the ability to come back and, and coach here for a while yep. and, and everything and how fast that went. Uh, but it is when you sit back uh, and think about it to be, a world champion and there's a lot of players that play the game a long time and uh, don't have the benefit of wearing that ring and uh, and you cherish that and uh, and just to see how it affects you know a whole city you know I mean I I don't think I'll ever forget you know that parade and Right. down Broad Street and then going into JFK where there was, you know, 100,000 people. I mean, that that was that was totally amazing. And uh, I get uh, goosebumps and hair back. I'm just thinking about it. Yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> even now, uh, yeah. it was uh, it was quite the scene. 
quite the same. There's nothing quite like being a champion in Philadelphia. But we haven't had a whole lot of them uh, over the years. But uh, when it happens here in Philadelphia, no matter what the sport, um, it's a pretty special time in the city. And the the guys that are a part of those teams are remembered forever. And 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 that's what I love about this city. That's what I love about covering sports in this city because uh, it is a little bit different than in in other parts of the country, is it not? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I'm sure there's, you know, there's Cubs. Cubs. When I was there, uh, you know, they were two great years. Yeah. And the fan fan base there is loyal and every uh, as you can get. And I'm sure, you know, Boston and and New York, uh, especially the Yankees, are that way. Um, here later years, I guess the Dodgers, you know, have getting gotten into that because of the winning part of it. Uh, but there's, there's something unique here. It's a different type of fan base, no matter what the sport. And, um, you know, I follow all of them, you know, and, uh, I, I probably not as rabid as, (laughs) let's understand. (laughs) But if I want to do that, I'll just, I'll just listen to talk radio. There you go. (laughs) I can get all my information. (laughs) Absolutely. Fact and fiction. It doesn't much matter. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Well, Greg, obviously, um, you know, we, we think back very fondly to those days and, and it was a really great weekend a couple weekends ago, uh, you and all your teammates back here and, um, you know, we really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing some of your glove stories because um, that's really what it's all about. When when the career is is over and you can look back and really appreciate all of uh, what you guys were able to accomplish, both as a team and as an individual, um, it's pretty special. And uh, this great game uh, has given you an awful lot, um, and uh, and it's certainly nice to hear about it. Well, thank you, and I appreciate you having me on, and it's always fun talking about it. Always talk baseball. That's that's easy. That is. It's the easiest thing to do. Greg Gross joining us here on Glove Stories. Uh, Thanks for your time. And I hope we see you down at the ballpark real soon. All right. Thanks, Murph. All right. We'll be uh, right back with Larry Boa and Charlie Manuel going to join us in our next segment. So stay with us here on Glove Stories with Murph. We'll be back right after this. The all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app is here for both Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Get in on all the action, whether it's baseball, the basketball and hockey playoffs, golf, all your favorite sports. Download the all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app and make your first bet risk-free up to $750. Bet more than the score. Bet on individual player performances for hits, home runs, and strikeouts. Bet innings, first team to score, and more. Bet Parks is the only sportsbook and casino app that I recommend. The Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, where odds, bets, slots, and games all come together in perfect harmony right in your pocket. Sportsbook and all your favorite casino games for real money, all in one amazing app. Live in-game betting lets you bet while you watch the game. Download right now in the App Store, Google Play Store, or at BetParks.com and use my promo code MURF. Bet Parks is also an official proud betting operator of the PGA Tour. The all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. You must be 21 and in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to This Week in Philly Baseball History, presented by Shy Vintage Sports. This week in 2007, Chase Utley delivered with an RBI walk-off single in the ninth inning off Billy Wagner to complete a four-game sweep of New York. 
It was the 40th come from behind victory for the team to beat who went on to win the division on the final day of the season. Celebrate more Philly sports history with clothing from Shad Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Visit them at 13th and Walnut Streets or at shabsports.com. Phillies Nation is your source for breaking news, original analysis, trade insights, and more. Read today's articles at philliesnation.com. And welcome back to Glove Stories with Murph. And we welcome in our two Wall of Famers, Charlie Manuel, Larry Boa, joining us as they do each and every week here on the podcast. And uh, there's a question that I get, guys, more than any other question over the last 10 years that I've been with the Phil's broadcast team. What I guess when you travel with a Major League Baseball team, fans want to know, where's your favorite place to go? Where's What's the best ballpark to go visit what do you like about it and 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 where should I be headed kind of thing? And from our perspective, you know, we'll take into consideration the city itself and and, um, you know, whether the, the press box is big and how the food is up there. You know, there are little things. But from a player or manager standpoint, I wonder uh, what is it about ballparks that I'm sure you guys had favorite ballparks as players and, and coaches that you like to go to. Uh, Charlie, is, is there one or two ballparks that, that stand out to you that uh, that you thought to yourself? Yourself. Every time you went there, you were either going to, you know, uh, win a game as a manager, or you were going to swing the bat well when you were a player. Yeah, well, you know, like my, as far as my favorite ballparks to go to, uh, uh, you know, like uh, Yankee Stadium was the one that always, and and also Dodger Stadium. Like, you know, it'd be hard for me to compare uh, to uh, give one of them up if I had to be pinned down. Would be. Because you know, like I enjoy, I get. I think it's a history of the ballpark, it's a history of, of the town. But at the same time, in uh, to me, like Yankee Stadium has got a, a bow coach there. He probably can tell you a little bit more about it than I can. But they got it's just something about the the old stadium that they had before the Yankees moved into the new ballpark. People uh, would say, "Well, it won't be like that." And to me, when I go to the new one. It's it's that and even more. Wow! You know, like it, and it, it, I get a feel about you know just playing playing the Yankees in Yankee Stadium, and it's a uh, and as far as hitting the ball and things like that, uh, because I used to see the old stadium, I guess a lot. You know, like um, home runs now. You know, the ball carries good in Yankee Stadium and things like that. And 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 to me, like that is a that's a that is a. a the top peak in baseball, I think. You know, like when we was in the World Series, to me, if we could have beat the New York Yankees, without a doubt, that'd have been the greatest feat in my baseball career. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> other people say that. And just on a side note, that uh, when, when you guys were, you know, playing Tampa and winning the World Series in 08 was was amazing and great, but in 09, that feeling of playing the New York Yankees in New York in the World Series. It, it was, you know, despite not winning the World Series, it really was kind of it kicked it up a notch and makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, New York's a pretty big stage uh, on the world stage, so uh, it, it probably had that kind of feel. Hey, hey Bo, uh, when you played it, uh, when you coached in New York, how did you uh, uh, how, how, how did you see the ballpark and how did it feel uh, to you? I, I loved it, Chuck, and I have, I have to agree with Charlie. I, I, you know, when you're old school, like uh, been in baseball as long as we have, yeah. when you step, there's three stadiums. When you step into, there's history that you think back of all the great players. I, and, and Yankee Stadium, obviously, won. Boston has won. The 
Chicago Wrigley Field is one. Mm-hmm. If you have a history of knowing what's happened in baseball, and, and as you, Charlie, and I have been over 50 years in baseball, when you take the field there, you just think back to all the great players that put their feet in the spot, in the dirt there. Uh, the Yankees in particular were unbelievable. Uh, but, the, you know, uh, I had never played at Yankee Stadium, but then when Joe Torre asked me to go coach there, it was unbelievable the first time I stepped foot on there. I was just thinking about Babe Ruth. I was thinking about Joe DiMaggio, Whitey Ford, all those great pennant-winning teams. And then you go to Boston and Yastrzemski and those great teams. And then yeah. Chicago. Uh, the history just overwhelms you. You know, some people probably say, oh, you probably liked all those new stadiums. I really like the old stadiums because there's a, there's a, the nooks and crannies. When balls go down in the corner, you don't know what it's going to do. The yeah. fans in all three of those places – they're avid baseball fans, and it's unbelievable. You can just feel it when you take the field, whether you're a player or a coach. And yeah. those three stand out in my mind, Murph. That's that's you know that's really interesting to me, I, and I and I absolutely get the the Boston and Wrigley side. But Charlie, I, I thought you said something really interesting. Even New Yankee Stadium kind of gives you guys that feel because I had been to Old Yankee Stadium just as a fan um, over the years, and then now as a as a a broadcaster in new Yankee stadium. And, you know, to me, there's a difference that, you know, it, it, it feels like a new ballpark. It feels like, and, and perhaps I'm just not as connected as you guys are with, as you said, Larry, your cleats in the dirt kind of thing. But um, it, did it lose anything with the, we all asked you, Larry, since Charlie already, uh, already answered that. Did it lose anything when, when they, when they moved the stadium? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, Murph. I, I have not been to the new stadium. Oh, okay. That, 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 that's why when I heard Charlie say that, I, I was sort of uh, caught off guard because yeah. uh, I've heard people say they like it, but the history doesn't, you know, duplicate what old Yankee Stadium. So I'm anxious yeah. to hear what, what Chuck has to say because he was in both of them. Uh, yeah. But I know the old one. Uh, I got goosebumps when I took the field, you know, the very first that. time with the pinstripes yeah. on. No doubt yeah. about that. Totally. Charlie? Yeah, Murph, you know, uh, they got, they did things at the ballpark when they made it. Uh, some, of, some of the things that they did, uh, uh, the overhang is still kind of in right field. They, yes. they, 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 tried to, they, they tried to make it as close as the, the old stadium as they could. But at the same time, too, you know, like uh, when I walk out there and I, and I go behind the uh, fence there and I see all these great names up there mm-hmm. and then, I, I used to, I remember my first time ever playing in Yankee Stadium. And when I ran to right field uh, and I looked up and it, it was a Sunday day game and the crowds, you know, we had a full house and I was standing there and I thought to myself, hey, man, I'm standing here right here where Roger Myers stood yeah. or, or you know, some great, all so cool. great players stood. And, you know, like, and it was just, it's uh, absolutely to me, you know, like it's very similar in a way of feel, you know, like when you start playing the game and everything. And, uh, and, and really, uh, when I look out in left field, it, you know, like I, to me, it comes, you, you see similar, uh, the, a similar setting of the old Yankee ballpark. And I yeah. definitely get the feel for it. And then uh, I would say what really tops it off, Murph, would be the fact that they got, they definitely have the best spread and all any if you want any kind of food you want, <laughs> kind of food you want they don't have it. 
still have it there in 10 or 15 minutes. And Beauty of New York City. I love that part about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. I get that indeed. Uh, that, that's really cool. And, and it, you know, just thinking about you running out to right field and standing in that spot, it kind of gives me goosebumps, Charlie. That, that, that's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, all right. Uh, before we uh, wrap this up, best ballpark uh, to hit it for, for you guys. Is there one in, in the course of your career? There's one for me. Uh, when the wind's blowing out at Wrigley Field, I mean, there you go. <laughs> and it's an unbelievable feeling. And, you know, I was in that 23 to 22 game. Yeah. And uh, I think I went five for eight in that game. And, and, and that stands out to me because, first of all, I wasn't a power hitter. So they played regular depth when I played. But when that hurricane was blowing out, they were right against the wall when I was hit. So That's right. I loved Wrigley when the, as a player, when it was blowing out as a manager. I wanted that flag blowing straight in. Straight in. Believe me. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt about it. Of course. What about you, Charlie? Where'd you like to swing? Hey, well, I, it, when Bo said Wrigley, I, I think I only got like two or three at bats in Wrigley Field. But it's just, <laughs> nowadays, to me, if I was a player, of course, I like uh, Citizens Bank Park is good to hit in. But right. to me, Cincinnati is probably the best place to hit in in uh, in baseball right now. Yeah. I and agree I, with that. I mean, I think that the ball carries uh, well there, and I think you get you, you see they got a great background in center field. You see the ball good. I I think the ball it really goes in Cincinnati, oh, yeah. and 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 then when I think about it, Murph, uh, if you're a really a good hitter, like I say, a Chase Utley or somebody like that, Colorado is ideal for you because you know, like you can you'll get yeah. hit the ball out of the yard. <laughs> yeah. Right? All kinds of room out there in that outfield to do, to do some damage. All right, final question. Uh, out of all the new ballparks, so we're, we're putting aside, and I'll even put Dodger Stadium on the old ball, ballpark list. I think it deserves to be on the on the old ballpark list. So out of the new ballparks, um, which do you guys have a, a favorite that, you know, again, it could just be, hey, I like going there. I like the city kind of thing. Uh, uh, the, uh, uh, just far as, as this, the, uh, the vision from home play to the city, I think Pittsburgh's beautiful. Yeah. I, I mean, too. it's it's a it's right on the river there, uh, and it, it it compared to Three River Stadium, it it's really a good park. I mean, if you're, yeah. If you're if you're a fan, a big time, we draw a lot of people from Philly every time we go to Pittsburgh. So it, it's really they set that up unbelievable. I think. Yeah, I agree. That's top. That's top five in my list too. Charlie, what about you? Yeah. I like San Diego. I like, yeah, I like, that's a good one I like, too. I like, I like San Diego because of. Uh, uh, now, especially now that they built the high rises in the background, and I like the fact that I, I, you can walk right out of your hotel room and just walk across the carousel into the ballpark <laughs> and things like that. And uh, San Diego, San Diego also is a good city to, to uh, walk around in, like mm-hmm. the, uh, down there where we stay. And uh, to me, uh, you know, like uh, playing there is exciting, especially when we have a big crowd. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, Murphy, and, and Chuck likes those girls that come out on Sunday afternoon in bikinis in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an extra bonus. That's all it is. Good place to play. Good place to play indeed, San Diego. Hey, hey, uh-huh. hey, hey Murph, I could have said uh, if, 
what Bo just said, I could have said Miami now. <laughs> yeah, so. Miami has their fair share too. The thing about Miami is they just never fill that place, and that right. that that, that yeah. draws away from that a little right. bit. But yeah, you know they've right. got they've got some uh, some uh, extra things going on down there in Miami too. I would add San Francisco to the list. You talk about um, the way that Pittsburgh went from Candlestick to PNC Park. The way that uh, Jack Murphy turns into uh, what they have now out there right. at AT and T, it's it's a beautiful place as well. So San Fran, where the Phillies are headed on their next uh, road trip, which will be fun. All right, Charlie, Larry, always great to talk to you guys. I really appreciate your time and your insight on uh, all things baseball. All right, Murph, take care. Yeah. All right, Thanks. we'll talk to you guys next week. Welcome to This Week in Philly Baseball History, presented by Shy Vintage Sports. This week in 2007, Chase Utley delivered with an RBI walk-off single in the ninth inning off Billy Wagner to complete a four-game sweep of New York. It was the 40th come-from-behind victory for the team to beat, who went on to win the division on the final day of the season. Celebrate more Philly sports history with clothing from Shad Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Visit them at 13th and Walnut Streets or at shopsports.com. The all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app is here for both Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Get in on all the action, whether it's baseball, the basketball and hockey playoffs, golf, all your favorite sports. Download the all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app and make your first bet risk-free up to $750. Bet more than the score. Bet on individual player performances for hits, home runs, and strikeouts. Bet innings, first team to score, and more. Bet Parks is the only sportsbook and casino app that I recommend. The Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, where odds, bets, slots, and games all come together in perfect harmony right in your pocket. Sportsbook and all your favorite casino games for real money, all in one amazing app. Live in-game betting lets you bet while you watch the game. Download right now in the App Store, Google Play Store, or at BetParks.com and use my promo code MURPH. Bet Parks is also an official proud betting operator of the PGA Tour. The all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. You must be 21 and in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Phillies Nation is your source for breaking news, original analysis, trade insights, and more. Read today's articles at philliesnation.com. Glove Stories with Murph is sponsored by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, along with Shine Vintage Sports and Phillies Nation, and is a presentation of SBC Media Partners. The engineer for Glove Stories is Chad Evans. Cindy Webster is our marketing and guest relations director, and our executive producer is Roger Haddon. Whether you are watching us on YouTube or downloading the podcast from one of the major podcast providers like Apple, Google, or Spotify, make sure to hit like and subscribe so that we can let you know when a new episode of Glove Stories is available. We'll release new episodes weekly throughout the 2022 Major League Baseball season.